We should have asked her about joining the union, Yetta said. Rahel gave her a sidelong glance. That girl was worried sick over her boyfriend. Couldn't you see, Rahel said. She was in no frame of mind to hear about her rights as a worker, her importance to the union, and I don't think she understands English. It was her brother she was waiting for. Brother or cousin or something like that, Yetta said. Oh, Yetta, didn't you see the look on her face? That girl's in love. Yetta hated this when Rahel made her feel like a little child who knew nothing of the world. The union's more important than love, Yetta said stubbornly. Yetta, 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 Rahel said in a sing-songy voice, playfully swinging around a lamppost. Let's see what you say when you fall in love. Won't happen, Yetta said. Rahel snickered in response and skipped ahead. It was a cold night, but they were both in high spirits because they'd just come from a lecture by a famous socialist. They'd heard how the workers really had all the power, so much more than the bosses. All they had to do was unite. Several other girls from Triangle had been in the audience, girls who nodded and clapped at all the same moments that Rahel and Yetta nodded and clapped. They'd felt united there. If the Italian girls knew what was good for them, they'd want to join the union too, Yetta said. I think that was the girl who got cheated today. Who hasn't been cheated, Rahel said, spinning back around to face Yetta. Who hasn't had their pay docked for being a minute late? Who hasn't had the clock set back on them so you work and work and work and quitting time never comes? Who hasn't been forced to work overtime for no pay and been told, Oh, here, you can have an apple turnover for your supper. Aren't we generous? Three hours overtime and all you get is a measly turnover. Who hasn't had a supervisor follow them to the bathroom and say, You're taking too long in there. You're stealing time from the company. Who hasn't been charged for the electricity, for thread, for needles? Who hasn't been charged for torn shirtwaists that the contractor himself ripped? Rahel for union leader, Yetta cheered, her voice echoing slightly off the tenements around them. Rahel laughed. Oh, you know they'd never let a girl be in charge, she said. Those big union men, they look at us like we've got fluff for brains, and they pat our heads and say, now, now, you know it's impossible to organize girls. They're just working for pin money, just working until they get married. Girls can't be depended on in a union. Then fight the union men, Yetta said. Fight the union men, fight the bosses, fight the world. Rahel looped her arm through her sister's. You would, wouldn't you, she said, laughing again. They'd crossed over now from the section where mostly Italian people lived to an area where it was all Jews. They passed a Yiddish theater, and Yetta heard a burst of laughter when someone opened the door. The streets were crowded with people going to the theater, or dances, or movies, or lectures, or night school. In fact, there were more people out walking in this one block than had lived in Yetta's entire shtetl back home. She remembered how shocked she'd been when she'd first got to America, by the noise and lights, the beardless men, the giggling girls who didn't seem to know any of the rules about how females were supposed to behave. Now it all delighted her. In spite of her empty stomach, her aching feet, her threadbare clothes, her lousy job, in spite of everything, yet I could still feel a burst of love for America, for New York, for the Lower East Side. Back in the shtetl, she'd faced such a narrow future. Her parents and the matchmaker would have married her off to someone just for the status he could bring her family. If her father had had his way, it would have been a scholar, someone who'd spend his days with his head bent over the Torah while Yetta milked the cows and baked the bread, birthed the babies, and squeezed a living out of every little coin. No, that wouldn't have been a living. 
This wasn't quite living either, spending her life hunched over a machine, a supervisor always yelling at her, the work always piling up. In the factory, she was little more than a machine herself. What so much more was possible here. She was taking night school English lessons and going to lectures and classes, and she could feel her mind opening up, her dreams opening up, her future opening up. Maybe she and Rahel would be union leaders together. That Italian girl, Rahel said, staring off into the distance, past the throngs on the sidewalk. I suppose she will get married. She'll get married and have babies and quit the factory. Maybe the union men have a point. How can we ask her to fight and struggle and suffer when she's just going to quit? When she won't benefit from anything we're fighting for? Because maybe she'll have daughters, Yetta said fiercely, and maybe her daughters will work in the factory. She wouldn't want her daughters being tricked and cheated. She wouldn't want her daughters to work a full week and have nothing to show for it. She wouldn't want her daughters to starve. Oh, Yetta, you have all the answers, don't you, Rahel said. But she didn't sound proud or impressed. She sounded wistful, the same way she sounded sometimes when they whispered together in the night. Remember how Mama used to tuck us into bed when we were little? Remember how she polished the Sabbath candlesticks until they gleamed? Remember how Papa would lift us up on his shoulders and cry out, The richest man in town can only wish to have so fine a family as ours. Yetta didn't have an answer for that. It didn't matter, though, because Rahel had turned away from her. Oh, she cried out, her cheeks suddenly coloring up. Mr. Cohen! A tall, well-dressed young man was coming toward them. On a sidewalk full of couples and clusters of friends, he was walking alone. Miss Rahel, he said, then said something in English that Yetta didn't quite understand. What did, it's such a treasure to see you, mean? No, wait, pleasure? He thought it was a pleasure to see Rahel? Your English is perfect, Rahel said with a trilling kind of laugh that Yetta had never heard Rahel use before. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mr. Cohen said with a little bow, then walked on. Rahel stood still, watching him. Yetta watched Rahel. Who was that? Yetta demanded. Mr. Cohen, Rahel said. He's in my English class. Rahel was in a different English class than Yetta, a more advanced one, because she'd been in America longer. That was something else that made Yetta feel like Rahel would always be far ahead, that Yetta could never catch up. Rahel sighed as Mr. Cohen disappeared into the crowd. He's so... Don't you think he's handsome? She asked. Handsome? Back home in the shtetl, it wasn't much worth noticing who was handsome and who wasn't. Girls didn't have a choice. They just married the man their parents told them to marry and hoped he wasn't too hideous. But in America, what was Rahel thinking? About the Italian girls, Yetta said, her voice sounding rough and unnatural. I think the bosses are trying to make us hate them. You know how they alternate us at the sewing machine so you have to lean past someone Italian if you want to speak in Yiddish? I think it's the bosses who start all those rumors about how the Italians hate us. That girl didn't seem to mind at all that we were Jewish. Yetta waited for Rahel to correct her, to say they weren't Jewish anymore, they were socialists, unionists, revolutionaries. But Rahel wasn't even listening.